to the Voice of HK podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Bajik-Smith, and in over a decade, I have supported hundreds of older adults to improve their well-being in late life. This podcast offers an authentic insight into aged care, practical tips, and all the inspiration to keep you going. I truly believe that every older person needs to feel heard, loved, and understood. And it is my mission to halve the depression rates in Australian aged care facilities by 2022. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Voice of Aged Care. Wanted to touch today on a topic which I find is often neglected or forgotten when we talk about old people in general, and that is to look at and consider what their individual unique strengths are. So I know that in particular in residential aged care settings, we, we tend to focus on what their restrictions are, what their diagnosis are, if they've got physical limitations or, you know, sometimes you might say they have to walk with a walker or they have to have a person to walk with them. Or they might have a dementia or they might have other cognitive changes or they might be on a soft food diet. But wait, 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 let's take a step back and look, what are the actual strengths of this person? And how can we help them use with resources to maintain those skills and perhaps even learn new skills and how we can focus on those strengths when it comes to problem solving? Because let's face it, they will need some tips and ideas on how to problem solve in an aged care facility and how to make that massive adjustment from living independently or even with support at home to being in institutionalised care. And so today I thought the best way we could talk about this very important topic is to consider three ways on how we can work on the strengths in older people in residential care and incorporate that into the service delivery. So first and foremost, and this is the one that I'm most passionate about, is looking at the way in how we support the admission process. So instead of just focusing on all the limitations that the person might have when it comes to their their health and what the needs are and what supports are there, let's look at things that they're really good at. I'm sure they have lots of existing competencies and skills that they have and they want to use and to continue to use. And also, let's look at the ways that we can help them maintain their interests. I know that diversional therapists play a large role in this in terms of identifying hobbies and interests of the person and their past. But let's take it a step further and look at, well, what are those skills that the person can still maintain? and use on a regular basis. So I know that in the previous episodes I've spoken to horticulturists and, you know, when people would say, oh, I used to be a gardener, I used to spend a lot of time in nature, but I don't do it anymore. 
Like, how can we still bring nature into residential setting and incorporate that into service delivery? Is there a way, you know, that the person could perhaps still grow some indoor plants in their room and then take it a step further and do it inside the, the garden bed at the facility? If they have hobbies about art and art history, I remember I had a, a very dear client years ago and she used to give talks about art history. And so when she moved into an aged care facility, there were some books there about art history. And I, I remember seeing her tear up and she would say, I know so much about this topic and yet no one's asked me about this information. So we looked at the ways how we can get her to give some art history talks and so she prepared them and she gave little presentations and other residents were quite interested about these topics as were staff and families. So I know that for this lady in particular because she had a fall and she came to a facility quite unexpectedly because she was actually on her way to um, art gallery when she had a fall and they had to call an ambulance because she collapsed on the street and never went back to her home, never made it to the art gallery. So the adjustment was a massive process for this lady. And for her to be able to return to her art history and to share that knowledge information, I think even in the newsletter, she did a little write-up about a particular art piece. It was really meaningful and it was so important for her to be able to resume that role and that interest and being able to fulfill her, her aspiration when it comes to art. So at admission, we could look at taking things a step further and perhaps focusing on the strengths, even in running some group programs that would help residents when they first move into a facility and they have difficulties adjusting to the new environment, which is quite common. And so in my, in my group sessions, which I've been running for nearly a decade, I have really focused on building those strengths in all the people, people in aged care facilities to help them adjust to that environment. And in, in the groups, it has worked really well and the retention has been remarkable because we have focused on what people like and what their skills are. And we've not only done a lot of reminiscence, but we've looked at a lot of, lot of the competencies and their skills that they still have and how they use that to problem solve or deal with setbacks in the environment and overcome the challenges that they face. So if we take more of the approach of identifying individuals by their values, by their strengths, by their hopes and aspirations, and as well as their capacities, we, we look at them more holistically rather than look at, you know, look at individuals as causing, you know, burden or stress to their families and their environments because they, a lot of them tend to, when they move into an aged care home, really tend to withdraw, become quite withdrawn and isolated because they think that they are burdened. And I've heard it so many times from clients saying, look, it's not fair for my family that I keep on living. They need to move on with their lives. And I think just how sad it is that they can't see that they still can contribute so much to society. So the first step is being about how we do the admission process, 
how we help those individuals when they first come in. That is so important. How we help them adjust into the new environment. What are the ways that we, we take extra steps, you know, to make sure that they're not isolated, that they're not spending too much time on their own in their rooms, that just because they say no, they don't want to go to an activity, that we actually explore with them what type of activities they like, what are their interests, what do they like to do to feel good? And is it something about perhaps spending more time in the nature? Is it more about being able to pick up a new hobby, new interest? Have they got the resilience and skills to do that? Because if they're not feeling particularly well about themselves, the chances are that they're not likely to pick up a new hobby or something out of ordinary and they might need a little bit more help to do that. So even though they might not be keen to initially start off with a completely new activity, they might give it a go if they're accompanied by someone, if they're coming just to observe it initially and see what is involved rather than dismissing and saying, oh, that's not for me. So just giving them opportunities to be able to see what is on offer and to understand better what their interests are can make such a significant difference. So that is at the first stage at the admission. The second way that we can focus on strengths in older people who move into aged care homes is by setting and reviewing their social goals. And I know I've spoken to a lot of people who are working in aged care about this and they say, whoa, what are social goals? We, we have care plans and we review care plans and we, we review where things are at in terms of the service delivery when it comes to clinical care, but not necessarily when it comes to social goals. And I just think that social goals are as important as the, the care plans because we can look at where individual is at the moment in terms of meeting their social needs and where they would like to be in the future and look at that gap between where they are and where they want to be. We know that research indicates that up to 40% of people in residential aged care homes do not have any visitors. Now that is, that is alarming. That statistic is quite high and acceptable unacceptable and I know that organizations look at ways of you know community visitor schemes and and other ways to boost that I know a couple of my clients over the years who've had a lot of social isolation and and breakdowns in communication with their family and so they've become very very attached to those volunteers who come into facility entertainers um, service delivery personnel from wide range of services and, and how much they look forward to those visits. And so sometimes it's taken me a while to unpack when they say, oh, you know, my friend's coming to visit me today to go, actually, no, that is the entertainer who comes every three months and they might actually come and spend a bit of time with that person for a few minutes before they go and do a big concert at the facility. So back to what I was saying about setting and reviewing social goals Let's look at the ways where we can identify where the person is at the moment and what their social goals are and how we can help them achieve it. So the social goal might be something about art, craft, physical activity. I know for a lot of people who have reduced mobility, their goals are mobility related. And so let's look at the ways we can incorporate exercise into that 
to help them maintain their mobility rather than focus on, oh, no, 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 you know, you can't do that. You know, you got to use a buzzer when you need to go to the toilet. Let's look at the ways where we can reinforce the fact that they still have some mobility and strength and are meeting this both physically and emotionally and how they can use it and how they can incorporate that. So it could be about the ways that they go walking around the facility a couple of times a day, about encouraging exercise. I know I recently posted on my Facebook profile, I, I hit the big 100 session milestone myself with the training that I've been doing this year. And I was talking to my trainer, I actually said, wouldn't it be great if they could use these certificates in aged care homes as well to, to celebrate with residents when they've hit certain milestones in terms of how many sessions they've attended and to, you know, issue them with certificates. And I thought that was a great idea. And so my trainer said, yes, you know, if any aged care home would like to have the, the design template, they'd be more than happy to share them so that this could be also given to residents in aged care home. So they can actually measure their activity level and measure their progress. And they might set a goal and then see how they're tracking along with it. It can be so beneficial to know that, you know, it's not every day is the same day that you are actually working towards a goal and to review those goals and, and to see how the individuals are progressing with them. So for some, the long-term goal could be something about having an outing to some place that's special to them. I've got a client whose goal is to go and have fish and chips at the beach once a month. And I know how important it is for him to be able to achieve that. And for some other individuals, their, their goals are more about connecting with music, with arts, with nature, and also being able to engage music and physical activity with, with dancing and other forms of art. So the goals are very individualized and I think it's important to honour that and not just assume that everyone's got the same social goals so that we're not working towards the same goals for everyone. Oh, yes, you know, leaving your room, coming to bingo, coming to concerts, coming. Not everyone would have those goals, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they need to be isolated and spend time in their in their rooms. And I know yesterday I ran some training and um, a staff member said their big problem is that a lot of the residents, you know, there's no focus on giving them privacy and they say, I need my privacy, but in turn, they're actually just laying in bed and spending a lot of time in their bed. And so it is about negotiating those rights of the residents as well as promoting and encouraging their strengths to come through at times when they they really need to demonstrate resilience and look at the ways that we can support them with that. And that's when we get those breakthroughs and that's when we get those goals that are being met. And that is what makes a difference between having a resident who's isolated and lonely and lacks motivation to do things to those that feel fulfilled, engaged and energized. One of the homes I used to visit years ago and they actually um, had a cafe nearby and not many people knew about the cafe because they never left the facility. So a lot of my sessions were spent actually 
getting those residents out of the facility into the cafe. And it wasn't about the coffee or the cake. It was more so about that social interaction and encouraging them. You know, they <laughs> when some of those residents knew I was coming and that we were going to go out of the facility to the cafe, you know, it encouraged that mobility. It encouraged them to get dressed. It encouraged them to get out of the bed. It encouraged them to look very presentable. And, you know, I would... <laughs> I would see ladies dressed so nicely with beautiful silk scarves and gentlemen dressed, you know, in a nice formal suit because they were, you know, treating it as an appointment with me and they they wanted to look presentable. And I thought that that was a remarkable way to show resilience and strength at those times as opposed to just saying, oh, you know, I will come and see you in your room. And so over time their confidence grew and what that meant was that they could actually do more things that were important to them that happened next door to the cafe. So when concerts were on and other events in this big hall next to the cafe, they knew what was there because coming to the cafe, they found out about those activities. So sometimes it was shopping expeditions, sometimes there was um, visits from um, other service providers, it was... Uh, a visiting zoo that they would see and all these opportunities that they would never fully know or embrace had they decided just to stay in their room and in the facility. So that just gives you a few ideas on why focusing on strengths is important when we not just identify social goals but when we review them as well. And my recommendation is to review those social goals at least every 12 weeks. And last. The third reason why we focus on strengths is to help the individual deal with setbacks. So if they're dealing with death of a loved one, if they're dealing with decline in their health status or perhaps a new diagnosis, if they're dealing with any other types of events which can really affect their well-being, could be declining health in their family or relative it could be changes in their financial situation we need to look at the ways how we can help them overcome that through their strengths and I'm going to use an example of a client that I saw not that long ago who lost a lot of money through her relative who gambled it away so all her life savings were gone overnight just like that And I remember how angry she was about what had happened and when she found out and how frustrated she was with the situation. But, you know, as we spent more time talking about what had happened and how it was affecting her and, and her current situation, she was the one who said, well, hang on a second. When I moved to Australia, I came with nothing and I didn't have any money next to my name. And here I am again now. And I've moved into a facility and I don't have any money next to my name. And she was saying, you know, what what is money and, and how does that define me? And what value does it bring to my life right here, right now? So she was actually able to reason within herself those thoughts and problem solve it as well. So over time, she gave it way more focus than she did initially. Because she thought, well, there's nothing I can do about this. And the other ways that she, she coped with what had happened 
was through identifying what her goals were and how she was going to get there. So it really helped with that process of healing and her own self-health by being able to address those concerns and move on from that. And I think that the strength-based focus is really important because it highlights that regardless of the individual circumstance, their health, their support network, their, their circumstance, we can always focus on their strengths and their competencies because people have resources and they're capable of learning new skills and they're capable of problem solving. And what we really need to focus on is giving them the chance to do that, giving them an opportunity to demonstrate how they have been able to overcome obstacles in the past and look at the ways how they can incorporate those skills from their past into their current environment. Don't forget your client. Don't forget their strengths. Don't forget their needs when you're developing any goals or reviewing any care plans. And look at the person behind that diagnosis as an individual who has a life experience in solving problems and who's still able to contribute regardless of their health status. Well, that is another episode of The Voice of Aged Care done and dusted. Be sure to become a subscriber on your podcast app of choice so that you don't miss out when I release the next episode. I'd love to know what you're thinking of this podcast and what you'd like to hear in the future. So please leave a rating and review too. Over on my website, wisecare.com.au, with one click, you can grab a copy of my three top downloaded resources on mental health and well-being in older age. Let's face it, this can be a complex topic and I want to give you practical strategies to deal with it. Go to wisecare.com.au for your free copy of these three amazing resources. See you in the next episode.